Those of you who have been here for two or three years will recognize that this is basically the same sermon I preach every year on this Sunday because I think it is so important to, to uh, uh, understand Jesus' baptism by John and Jordan because the question always comes back to us, why did Jesus, who was without sin, or seemingly without sin, that's what we understand, why did he go to John to be baptized with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins? Why did this one without sin go to John to be baptized with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins? For me, the answer lies in that big word in, in the, the text that says, it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. It is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. And some of you heard me use, talk about that word a dozen or 20 or 30 times already. But we, we tend to think that word has to do with, with being good or something like that. To be righteous is to be good. Sometimes we say it means to be right, and that's not far from the truth. But its base meaning, its base meaning is, I've said this a dozen times, is to conform to a norm, to be what something was created to be or meant to be. That really is what righteousness is about. When Jesus says to conform to all righteousness, this is the way it ought to be, huh? This is the way it ought to be. So he goes to be baptized, even though he's not a sinner, he goes to be baptized because this is the way it ought to be for humans. And he goes to be baptized in all trust and humility. Can I put it that way? He goes as one who trusts his Heavenly Father. He goes in humility. Just as we are called to our Heavenly Father in trust and humility. And when he's baptized, he comes up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. Of course, he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit from all eternity. But here it's visible on earth. And the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And again, of course, he was always God's beloved Son. But here it is announced publicly, or at least to him, on this earth. He knows who he is in that announcement. Well, we are called to the very same thing to be baptized, to come to the Father in trust and humility. Only for us, there's another element added. That's repentance. He didn't need to repent. We do. He didn't need forgiveness. We do. So we come to the Father in trust and humility with repentance, asking for the forgiveness of our sins, knowing that he's promised to give us that. He's promised to be our Heavenly Father, to love us, to care for us, to keep us, always. And baptism, baptism is that, that watery sign that it's real. Luther says in, in the small catechism, not, not all of you are Lutherans, I understand that, but he said it's, it's not water that does this, it's water together with the Word. The Word is a promise, huh? I love you, I forgive you, I want you, you're my child. That's the word. The water is just a way of touching you with that word. Touching you with that word. We come in trust and humility 
to be, as Jesus says in John's Gospel, to be born again, to be born anew, to be born from above. But there's more to it than that. You see, I believe, and I think I'm right on this because St. Paul seems to think so too, that somehow in baptism we die and are born anew. In the sixth chapter of Romans he says that, that, that in baptism we die with Jesus and then we're raised with him. And there are other places in scripture that say similar things, but Romans 6 is the particular place. We die and are born again, born with him in a new life, resurrected with him. And I've thought about this a lot, people, over the last 20 years. What does it mean to die with Jesus? What does it mean to die with Jesus? And I've come to believe that, that dying is about losing control. You know, when, when, you, when this old bag of bones dies, you lose control, don't you? I mean, when you take your last breath, you can't say, oh, I want one more. It's out of your control. To die is to lose control of your life. Well, baptism in its best understanding is like that. You lose control of God, of, of how you are loved and cared for and forgiven. You're not in control anymore. God simply says, I love you, I forgive you, and it's out of your hands. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't say, well, I'm a very good person, therefore you ought to love me. No, that doesn't work. You can't say, I'm a very bad person, therefore you can't love me. It doesn't work that way. Baptism simply takes it out of your control. It takes your salvation out of your control. You, you, you don't control it anymore. God does. And he says, I'm going to love you forever and ever. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus not life or death or angels or principalities, things past or things to come. It's out of your control. Therefore, you've died. It's a real death. We're not just talking about symbols. That's a real death. But it's also a real life. To be able to live from that day on, free. You don't have to worry about who you are. You're God's child. And he's going to keep you forever and ever and ever. That's the promise. So you're free. Free to get on with life. To live life. Make mistakes, surely. You'll sin? Yes. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying it's going to happen. Sure. Yeah, things will fall apart. But you're always God's child. Always. That's his promise. And you come back to that every day. And that's, I am baptized. And I've told you this before many times. You know, Luther was asked by his barber, by his barber, how can I know that I'm saved? And he said, are you baptized? That's how you know. God, God poured this water on you, whether as a baby or a teenager or an adult. So, so, so it would be something real and tangible. You are loved. Loved by God. And you can come before him every day, every day in freedom, in trust, and humility. Because he is your heavenly father. Now, I had a talk with a, a, a woman. Now, I don't think any of you know her, so I, I can talk about her maybe. But uh, she was talking about becoming a Christian. 
She didn't grow up a Christian. And she said, her parents aren't Christians. They grew up in the old system and, and they simply were not Christians. And she said, when I decided to become a Christian, I didn't know how my father would take it. I didn't know whether he would approve. But she said, it was okay. And I said, that's the way loving fathers are, aren't they? What you do is not your father may not approve of everything you do. Your heavenly father may not approve of everything you do. But he still loves you. He still loves you. Your heavenly father may from time to time have to discipline you. But he still loves you. Always loves you. And your baptism, this washing in the water, is God's way of saying, I'll always love you. You can trust me. Trust the water. Trust the words that came with the water. Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized. He came in trust and humility. As I thought about that this week, I was reminded of that that wonderful, wonderful uh, text in lesson in the book of Philippians. Second chapter. Let this same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied, emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the point of death, even death on the cross. And as I thought about that, that phrase, I never thought this before, but it popped into my head. You could change it just like this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death in baptism. Even death in baptism. Likewise for all of us, to humble ourselves and become obedient unto death, even death in baptism, even to let go of all our, all our plans, all our, all our goodness, all this things we do for God, and simply let God do for us. He loves you, forgives you, he'll never let you go.